0: We have a bit of a gospel rewind today with this passage from John. If you will recall, uh, this is the passage we read on Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday, that great day of Holy Week in which we commemorate the Last Supper, which is the institution of the Holy Eucharist and of the priesthood. And it's in this dinner where Jesus humbles himself and gives that great lesson to his disciples by taking off his outer robe, tying a towel around his waist, and washing their feet. And then he gives them a new commandment, that they love one another as he loves them. Because as he says, uh, you will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So in the context of Good uh, Maundy Thursday, uh, this has that foreshadowing very sad tone to it, knowing, as we do, that Jesus is on his way to Calvary and the cross and a gruesome death. But on the other side of that, on the resurrection side, on the Easter side, where we are, from, where we are now, we can take a sort of different look at it. Of course, we know in the coming weeks we will have the Feast of the Ascension, the day in which Jesus returns, uh, bodily to heaven from whence he came. And so we're getting a little bit of a hint in terms of scriptural text, even though that wasn't what he was talking about at the time he said these words. We're getting a little hint of that sort of second mirroring of his first uh, disappearance from the disciples, which was by death. And the second time he leaves their sight will be for good, at least until he comes again, but in resurrection, in life. And so we know that's coming. But think about the disciples whom he's talking to in this case. Now, this is Maundy Thursday. They're still fighting amongst themselves who will be the greatest. Uh, Judas has gone out to betray him. Things are not looking good. And the disciples, as we know, throughout Jesus's earthly ministry, often miss the mark, often fail to understand what it is he's trying to convey to them because you can understand it. They're human beings like you and me, and Jesus is trying to open up and explain God's plan for salvation for the world, which is a pretty tall order. So they make mistakes over and over again, like we do. And even after Jesus' resurrection, we remember we see them locked away in a room for fear of their own lives because they can't see through those heavenly eyes. They, they keep looking through the eyes of the world, through the eyes of fear. But as time goes on and Jesus appears to them numerous times, they begin to go out and they begin to perform signs and miracles, really. And so we have this. We have this image now of Jesus telling them, I will not be with you much longer. So you are going to have to go out into the world. You are going to have to love each other like I've loved you and not just the few of you. It's for everyone. And that was a, a, a problem, really, for the early followers of Jesus, the followers of the Way before it was even called Christianity, because a lot of them felt like Christianity was just a fulfillment of Judaism. Now we know that that very quickly uh, we were disabused of that idea because Christianity took on its own uh, its own form, its own doctrine, even though it's rooted in the traditions of Judaism, and so. We have uh, this story of Peter uh, in Jaffa, modern day Jaffa on the Mediterranean, uh, where he is praying. And Peter has this vision, and this vision is one of my favorite stories from Sunday school growing up, because it's just such a fantastical thing, and I remember some sort of uh, illustration of it. We had those, um, I don't know if they have them anymore, but they were so much fun, these big boards that were covered in pale blue felt and all the bible characters had uh, were little cutouts and they had flocking on the back and you could make these little dioramas to explain bible stories to children and and so those really stuck stuck with me anyway and there was this one of peter's vision of this sheet coming down from heaven and all sorts of animals on this sheet and as we all know i'm sure uh, certain observant Jews will not eat certain types of food because they are considered unclean. And so Peter sees this sheet coming down with all these uh, different types of animals on them, and he hears the voice say, kill and eat. And perhaps he thinks he's being put to the test. And so three times he says, no, never. I will not ever let anything unclean touch my lips. I never have, and I never will. But God says to him three times, I have made nothing that is unclean. And so the vision ends with the sheep returning back to heaven. And that's great in terms of uh, uh, culinary uh, expansion, because I, I know I really enjoy oysters and lobster and things like that. But that's really not the main point of, of all this. This is one metaphor Uh, not just food, but God is saying to Peter, I have made nothing, I have made no one who is unclean. And so immediately after this vision, he's visited by three men who say, we have been sent to get you. Someone has seen an angel, a vision of an angel who's asked to send for you and to said that you would give a word that would save his entire household. And so he goes. And when he, uh, when he goes there, he, uh, he speaks, and as he begins to speak, the Holy Spirit descends upon all these people just as it had on him and the other disciples on the day of Pentecost. And he was telling all these stories to people who were, you know, these early followers who uh, were giving him a hard time for associating with the wrong kind of people the ones who weren't keeping the law, the ones who uh, were uncircumcised. But through this vision of the sheet coming down and through his visit to this Gentile family and through the coming of the Holy Spirit, it became very clear to him, and he, as he told others, that all are to be saved through God. God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. So this opening up of God's will even more, even after Jesus has died and resurrected and ascended, ascended into heaven, even after the day of Pentecost, the eyes of the human followers of Christ need still need to be opened wider and wider. Their hearts need to be softened more and more. And they need to realize that and be reminded constantly that the love of God is not finite. The love of God is not something that can be hoarded or stored up, or hidden away. It is superabundant. It is for everyone. And so, through this lesson that Peter tells to the uh, the doubters or the scoffers, if you will, he explains quite clearly that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for all. All who will believe in him can be saved. All who will believe in him can have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, the whole world. And so we gather here Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and season after season. But now in these waning days of the Easter tide, we can give thanks for these Visions of Jesus, the opening of the eyes of his disciples, because in it we are given a lesson, aren't we? Because we are his disciples here and now. It wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that continues throughout history until he comes again, until in his good time things are put right. We are his hands and feet. We are to take action, to to love, to forgive, and to show that grace and that power of the Holy Spirit out into the world. And so let's remember, like Peter, that God has made nothing that is unclean. God has made no one who is unworthy of his love. And it is up to us to spread that message and to share that love with all all whom we meet.